2: Hi guys, and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast. Every step along the way, the podcast, as always, is supported by our friends at the Stoke City fans from all around the world Facebook group. And finally, we're back talking about the real football again. As we look ahead to Peterborough on Saturday, we've got some audio from the Peterborough camp as well. And of course, we'll give you a roundup of how our young low knees are getting on. And as always, we'll look at some of the news from around the club this week. Okay then so Dan uh good to be back mate I'm I've kind of half recovered from my man flu uh still not too well uh, but like I said it's kind of on in the intro mate it's really good to be talking uh real football again and I know you, you obviously did a special pod with with Ben so Ben thanks for um kind of debuting uh, last week again for well, standing in for the second time, I think it was actually due to us being wimps on on the front. But um, I must admit, Dan, I, and I wanted to ask you a question. How did you cope without me being uh, here last week? I mean, you must have been quite upset when you heard the news.
3: Yes, it was. Uh, it was a bit weird at first. You know, I was, I was really gutted. We I lowered the uh, every step along the way flags down to half mast. Because <laughs> you be missing? But it's good to see that the uh, cowpole has been taking good effect for you, mate, and you're all fit. Well, fit enough to take to the field this week.
2: Yeah, I must admit the wife had uh, the old Vicks vapor rub and you know the old bowl with towel over the head job earlier on, and I seem to have you know spells of being fine talking like this, and all of a sudden. Uh, have a bit of a coughing fit. So you've got some editing to do uh, this week, mate, unfortunately, but that's <laughs> your problem, not mine. Um, So, uh, yeah, so I must admit, I mean, this is the kind of point where um we kind of talk about, you know, the previous game and do a bit of a an overview. But obviously, you know, we've had the international break. Uh, and like I said, we're back to the real football and obviously Peterborough, which we'll kind of get on to. Um, but I must admit, probably more than, uh, well, more news than it's actually been for a while, so yeah, there's a lot of news obviously to, to kind of talk about and uh, kind of starting with the, the low-knee roundup. So I know obviously uh, Michael O'Neill spent a good deal of time getting the youngsters out on loan and I'm sure he's probably thought you know quite hard about some of the players kind of going out either on loan or obviously the under-23s, Dan. And um, I know that you've kind of been following these kind of youngers, youngsters a bit kind of you know, closer than I have, um, in fairness. you love a good stat or two. Um, so uh, is there any particular highlights, Dan, that you can kind of, pull out for myself and and probably everyone else as well in terms of how some of the guys are obviously getting on.
3: Yeah well I mean we've got 13 players out on loan. And um, we've actually heard on this podcast so far we've heard from six players um Benic Peter Atibo uh, they obviously are a bit older not really youngsters out on loan they may are mainly just running down the contracts are we that's why they're out yeah um and then we've got sort of Will Godwin, Eddie Jones at Hartlepool. We had you know um, some uh, talk on those, didn't we? And a review on them. Uh, they aren't playing very much lately. And they're both just struggling to sort of get more experienced pros out of the side at Hartlepool in a bit of a relegation battle there. Um, obviously, Tom Edwards seems to be you know, flying in America and, and with New York Red Bulls, playing every week, different positions, everything. They seem to really like him over there, which is great. Yeah. And then obviously, the big one, the big positive one that we seem to have so far is Connor Taylor at Bristol Rovers. Mm, now, yeah. now, we had a rate, you know, when we spoke to the Bristol Rovers podcast, um, they gave a r- raving about him where they were saying how fantastic he was, the best loan they've had. Uh, I think they mentioned a Chelsea, a lad from Chelsea they had last season. They said he was streets ahead of him. And that was, he was the first one. So he was, that was a couple of months ago. Yep. And since then, he seems to be going from strength to strength. Because I remember them saying that he contracted COVID, didn't he, at the start of the season. He missed a lot of the preseason. He missed the first few games and was playing catch-up with his fitness. He seems to be now, I know Joey Barton's raving about him. He seems to be asking him every press conference. They're talking about him. Uh, he's just been named the EFL's Young Player of the Month, which I don't, I don't think it's a divisional thing. I think it is literally like the three divisions. Right, get one player, um, because it wasn't like a league, didn't say League Two player, of the month. it said EFL Young Player of the Month it was Connor Taylor. Um, and obviously, yeah, now it's interesting that he's a big, strong, strapping center half. Um, and I know we were sort of saying he's in the Harry Suter mold, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Whether yeah. the club will think it's a bit too early to recall him you know, when he is doing so well at Bristol Rovers as well, even if they recall him and then decide not to play much, is it sort of going to sort of stall that progress he's currently making?
2: Yeah, he's only played six games for Bristol Rovers. So, I mean, obviously, he's having a very good six games, obviously, to, you know, to kind of be noticed so quickly. Uh, I mean, that that's pretty impressive, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's only played five or six games for them. And and like you said, mate, I think you're right. I think it's too early to bring him back. I mean, we'll get on to Harry Suter in a minute, but... Um, yeah clearly, you know, he needs more time. And for me, I would rather him just spend the rest of the season out on loan, build that knowledge up, you know, against Bristol Ro- for Bristol Rovers, rather. Um, uh, and some quite gritty football, probably the, the side of the game that could do him some good. Um, so I think that's definitely a, a positive, mate. And I think he, he scored one, hasn't he? Didn't he score one on his debut, if I remember rightly? I was trying to remember. I think it was his debut.
3: No, that was Will Forrester, that
2: was it. Was it Will Forrester, was but, it? On
3: the last season, yeah. Uh, he has played a bit more, Connor Taylor. He's played 17 times for store Rovers this year. Um, oh, right. that's OK. But he, he did make his debut for Stoke last season. Um, he came on as a substitute early one game. I can't remember. There was one in the central got injured early on. And he was on the bench and he came on. And I think he nearly scored with his first touch. That might have been... Possibly what you were thinking there, but he nearly ah uh, yes yeah I think he nearly scored his first touch um, and then didn't really go sort of nothing from there. Uh, he had, I think he had a decent game. He was but um, he sort of like you know he was back out of the squad when people other people came back from suspensions and injuries.
1: Um, yeah. But obviously
3: he's, he's quite highly rated like within the Stoke, and uh, he basically showing why over at Bristol.
2: So yeah, so you're right, mate. I'm I'm getting my players kind of. Uh, mixed up a little bit here. You're right. So, yeah, I've been just, just been checking out his stats again. You're right. I think it's I think it's actually played 18 now because I think there's the kind of game in the uh, the FA Cup. But, no, he's spot on. Yeah, he scored the goal for, for Bristol Rovers um, in, in the league. So, again, yeah, I mean, 18 games, it's going to be absolute world of good. Um, I think probably more good than he's going to get coming back here because we all know as well that if he was to come back here, all of a sudden he's being raised onto a pedestal, which is probably a little bit too too much above him to be quite frank right now. Um and I think again, like I said, a bit more of that gritty football we probably probably doing really well. And then maybe, you know, god has gotta go back, uh, uh, you know, to his parent club. We're gonna be obviously without Harry Suter now for a while. Uh, we've got we've got cover right now, but next season could be his season.
3: Yeah, definitely. I I, I agree with that. I think I say whether Suter comes back at the start of next season, or midway through, or he's his time, I think you're probably going to see kind um, of Taylor in and around the squad, regardless of Harry Suter's um, you know, availability at the start of the season. Definitely, I think they uh, can definitely play together. Suter's shown in the past couple of weeks as well, since Danny Bart's come in that he can sort of shuffle away from that centre position as well. Um, you can play I reckon you could play together in a in a four-four. If we play four-four-two or four-three-three, three, And those two could be about in the back four. Yeah, it it all goes well. Like I say whether whether it is next season or whether you might even just say cause I know with Suter, he had two years at Fleetwood. Say, and it's it's funny how that was with Joey Barton as well mm-hmm. at Fleetwood, and then I think I think Clint Hill is the defensive coach that works with Barton. And obviously they've then gone to Bristol Rovers, so he's learning off a good player in Clint Hill, good defender there. You know, he's um, and obviously they've done a grand job with with Harry Suter, Stoke. Obviously trusting the next one off the conveyor belt in their eyes, and Connor Taylor um, to the same people, and it seems to be working so far. Uh, yeah, it was, it'll certainly Stokes. be interesting,
2: mate, because he's a, he's an ex fail player. Um, is Connor Taylor, isn't he? I think he was. He came through their their youth setup, if I remember rightly.
3: And then I know we sort of stole him from non-league, didn't we? Sort of picked him up from a from a non-league club.
2: Was... Yeah, it was Stafford Rangers, mate. It, I think he was. Yes, I think he one. was in Vale's youth. I think Stafford Rangers then picked him up. If I'm not mistaken, when he, I think he was released by Vale or something like that. But uh, yeah, Stafford Rangers. And then we we got him in 2019, uh, apparently. So um, yeah, so it, it sounds good then. So he's probably the one standout kind of low-knee player, would you say? Is there anyone else that has really played an awful lot or?
3: Well, the ones that we've heard of so far, the six, they're the ones who sort of played the, the most of my games, I'd say. Um, possibly Ethan Varian. He had a really good start. I mean, he's not, not, for anyone who doesn't know, he's a 19-year-old striker. Uh, he's been on loan at Wraith in the Scottish Championship. So he signed for them in the summer until January. He's, he's made 11 starts, six sub appearances. Uh, he's uh, scored a couple of, a couple of goals. Uh, but the last one was on the 7th of September. Although that does sound pretty bad, that obviously he hasn't scored since the 7th of September, only got two goals in 11. Looking at their squad, they have only got two strikers in the squad. And they seem to be... Yes, and they seem to be playing one up front and rotating them. And the other striker in the squad has also only scored two goals from a similar amount of games. So it it would appear that... I mean, they're second in the league. They're only three points off Kilmarnock. Top, so whatever they are doing is working, but it it, it would seem to be that that one striker up front is more of a provider and creator than a a finisher. In the almost like the old
2: Man City, Man City type of formation,
3: yeah, it's yeah, it seems to be. However, they're playing, the striker's not getting the chances because obviously somebody's finishing them, they're creating them for somebody, but it's not the striker that seems to be putting the ball on the mat. So yeah, that's um, but obviously he's doing well because they keep picking him, and I know he he started on the bench, forced his, his performances, forced his way into the team. Then he's dropped back out for this other striker, and in the last few weeks he's starting again now. So obviously he must be doing something right to be you know put back in the side, and isn't he?
2: Yeah, no, good mate. I think it's good to to hear you know how how some of the youth players are getting on. Clearly there might be some that well to be fair, if they're not going to play, just bring her back into the under twenty threes. I don't think they actually think it's going to do any any good, really, being at a club where they're not playing at all. Um, so I think Stoke, no doubt, will be keeping a really tight kind of close look on that. Um, but there's clearly a few that, you know, have at least a bit of promise behind them uh, and obviously continue our, as you said earlier, you know, the conveyor belt of, of decent youth players. We seem to be all of a sudden materialising. So, yeah, long, long mate continue, mate. And thank you for. Obviously, know the overview, and I know you've got a lot more which we'll cover again next week. But um, I think obviously one thing we wanted to kind of move on to as well, specifically Dan. So um, obviously, I've already kind of mentioned it. Really, Harry Suter's injury. Now, okay, I'll give you my two pence worth actually on this, Dan. So I've never really hidden away from the fact of my kind of disinterest or dislike of. Kind of international football. Now I'm not gonna say overall because I really enjoyed us in the Euros. It was great to jump on that roller coaster. But um and I understand as well, you know, when you're a team like Stoke, you want to try and attract quality players. Now quality players want to play for their international teams. Totally get that. You know they've got ambitions, no problem at all. Now obviously from a selfish perspective, I couldn't care less. Um I mean my commitment and my desire is to see Stoke City do well. And for me it's so so annoying when you see the likes of Harry Suter, it's always our star players. It was Tyrese Campbell, you know, bloody last year. It's Harry Suter this time. And with Campbell, as we know, it kind of derailed derailed our season. Um, And I think that's what's in the back of my mind. He's now got injured playing away from Stoke City, which is his parent club. Uh, and, a, and a friendly, let's face it, doesn't really mean an awful lot. It does to Harry Sutter, but it certainly doesn't to Stoke City. So I guess, again, I'm looking at from a, a selfish red and white glasses here, mate, but it is so, so frustrating to lose a player like that for a bit of a nothing match. Uh, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, mate, but it really gets my goat. It really does on, on internationals. The same happened with Butland. Again, what, what is it with us and, and players who go out international duty? And it's the key players that get injured all the time.
3: Yeah, I mean, Jack Butler was never the same player again, was he, after that
2: injury? no, He picked up with England. No, he wasn't, Uh, and that's the thing with like Tyrese Campbell. I mean, he's only just come back, and we're not judging him yet, but again, he's looking way, way, way off the pace. And you never know if these players are ever going to be anything again when they've come back from injuries. You know, how many times has it happened? Big superstars or big future stars, and they come back and they're nothing. That's my concern with stuff like this.
3: Yeah, I mean... I suppose we're lucky in the fact that both the players that it's happened to are really young, aren't they? Um, obviously, Ty was, I think was he 21? was 22, Yeah, so he was 21 yeah. when it happened to him. Uh, Harry's, you know, early, early 20s as well. So at least they're not career ending injuries. Fingers crossed.
2: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's funny you should say that because you sent me a, um, a screenshot earlier, didn't you? I mean, um, it's the same, is it the same specialist or the same surgeon as uh, Virgil van Dijk? Is that right?
3: He, yeah, Stoke are obviously protecting their um, twenty million pound plus valuation of him. They've sent him to the same surgeon that uh, Virgil Van Dyck had the, the same uh, the same injury operated on last season. He's oh, sitting come come the back, okay?
2: I mean, <laughs> I saw his dad was glowing reports in terms of Stoke and how they're looking after him and stuff like that. I mean, that that always doesn't you know always does us favors, doesn't it? You know, we obviously obviously looking after him, I think Stoke understand how important it is to look after him. Like us, they can see a future star, either with us or a multi-million pound player, so they would be silly not to look after him, but I think we've always been a good club, though, haven't we? I remember when De Lapp signed, obviously many, many years ago, did, did he like play, again Dan, this is going back now, mate, was it his debut, or it was very early on into his initial loan with us, he went and broke his leg, and then we'd already agreed to look after him, and sign him full time and we stuck to that I, I, I might have made that up but I think that's right.
3: Rory no, that that's right yeah so he made his debut um, I'm sure it was in the 4-0 win at Leeds um, and then we we played ironically we played Sunderland three days later and Sunderland with a club who we, he his parent club who we'd signed him from on loan so back in those days you could play against the club who, been, who you were, who you were contracted to if you like if you're out yeah. on loan and then um first off there's somebody's like over the top of all crunching tackles basically snapped his leg in two and like you said that um Tony Poulos, uh, Peter kind of turned around and said Do you know what we signed you with a view to a permanent deal we want you around the club we'll nurse you better and, and you will still sign you and wow, what,
2: what a huge decision that was in the in, in the whole grand scheme of what happened yep. to the club wow yeah and, and
3: it-, it was things like that as well that just it turned the reputation of stoke let's be honest stoke's reputation especially you know, through the 80s the 90s um and the early 2000s up until that point really was was in the in the gutter you know mm-hmm. mainly mainly due to say you know the fans fighting stuff like that you know the um, oh
2: God, Yeah, Naughty Forty Group and all that rubbish.
3: Yeah, it's stuff like that, and 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 even like um, obviously that previous ownership and stuff breaking records for lowest points in Premier, in the top flight, Division One as it was at the time. You know, they'd been the they, they, you know, the club's reputation, like I say, was a bit in the in the gutter with in the national sort of press, and I think that that decision there was the start of the change of that. Yeah. And people, people then started to look at Stoke as a, a club that you'd want to be associated with, and players knew that they would be looked after when they came here, and you yeah. know, Pugh then built a family into a squad as a family, and if there was anybody who wanted to come in and they asked and they knew any of the players here, you know, and they, oh, you know, um, James B. You know, what, what, do you, think, you know, Leo Lawrence, would, you know, whoever they knew, you know, what do you think? They'd all say the same thing great place to be come join us oh yeah you'll love it you know they look after you it's it's a great club and and that's i think that's a bit refreshing in football as well you hear so many stories especially with like different podcasts and that now that you hear and you hear stories from you know ex-pros who say you know they were stitched over by this or uh, you know they were cast aside by a club for this and and to have that i think it it would have attracted so many players to know that they, were, you know, they were put first by the club. Yeah, you know, they were yeah. considered more. They were more than just an asset. They were a human being as well.
2: And like you said, all those players made they all repaid it, didn't they? They all repaid. You know, the faith that. That we had in them, and they—they've all had such big, big impact on our career, our kind of club stature over the years. And I mean, I, I think one thing I'll—I'll I'll move on to about about this as well, uh, Dan. So, um, obviously anyone who's been listening over the, the last few months knows that we love a good poll. So, um, we put something out there about who replaces Harry Suter. If we obviously assumed that you know a first chi- first choice defenders rather are going to be Bath and Ostergaard, I think we'd all probably agree that they will be in there, pretty much certainties. Now I gave the options um, of uh, Fox, Chester, Wilmot, or a January signing being essential. Now um, there's some surprising, well, not not surprising results, but some very standout ones. So, forty-eight uh, percent of the votes went to Wilmot, which I think I have to agree with. I think he's probably my replacement. Forty um, percent of people think that we need a signing in January. How many? Um, I mean, you might be able to do the maths here, mate. Um, how many people did you think went for uh, James Chester? Uh, out of interest.
3: Minus three, four, ten percent.
2: <laughs> Not even that, mate. No, I have seven covered off the Fox one. But two percent of people think that James Chester should be the replacement. Now, I'm shocked that he even got two percent, to be quite frank with <sighs> you, mate. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have him cleaning the boots of the bloody of the, of the bench players, to be quite frank. Um, I didn't know his mum and dad were on Twitter. Well, they clearly are, mate. Yeah, you know, His, his mum, dad, and his <laughs> probably sisters and aunties and uncles and everything as well. So, uh, But yeah, again, even then, he can only muster a, a measly 2%. So I think it's quite clear. I mean, would you probably bring Wilmot in? I know you mentioned Fox to me um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, if we're playing in that kind of left-hand side of the the three defenders. Um, would you bring a fully fit Fox in over Wilmot? Or... Um, at
3: the minute, it's weird. It's, it's a difficult one because Fox isn't fully fit. That's the... Yeah. And I suppose it d- depends between now and when Fox is fully fit how we shape up at the back. Um, I, I I would bring Wilmot in. Um, yeah, Danny Bart can play in the middle. Uh, I'll bring Wilmot in on the left, Oscar on the right. I think we've got to be prepared, though, to see a lot less playing out from the back, a lot less of the marauding forward from the defenders. Yes. Um, yeah. And and just accept that we're going to have to change the style.
2: Yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think the one thing Wilmot's going to have to book his ideas up, because to be honest, before he was dropped for what was then, obviously, Danny Bart, um, he, he really dropped off a little bit. You know, he was struggling to, to pass properly. He just wasn't being commanding. And he's going to have to book his ideas up a little bit, because for me now, this is this is his chance to try and get that position cemented. Because if he doesn't, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I know we've already said, and we'll move on to it now. But um, you know, we're talking about replacing him in January, and I mean, John Suter is an obvious link. You know, it's another rumor that's been doing the rounds for a long time, and obviously, certainly before um, you know, Harry was was injured. But um, I mean, I don't know, Dad. I think he's he's an obvious choice for the club to want to go for. I mean, I've seen Forest, Middlesbrough, Derby, um, and us linked. I'm not sure if you've seen anyone else, but. I mean, surely out of that lot, mate, and I know we've got red and white tinted glasses, but why would he choose any of them over Stoke? I would never know. Middlesbrough, I mean, they're in a mess. I mean, again, you don't choose Derby, you don't choose Forest, you don't choose Middlesbrough. And from what I've seen, we're very much kind of, you know, in the driving seat on that one. It seems to be that if he wants to be a Stoke player, he can be a Stoke player. I think the only problem that we've potentially got is they're going to want probably upwards of probably 750k. My worry here is that now he's going to score on international duty. Again, his stock's going to go up a little bit. I know he's running towards the end of his contract, but, you know, have Stoke really got 750k, even a mil, um, to be paying out in transfer fee? I genuinely don't think we've even got that money, mate. So, I mean, what's your thoughts? Do you think John will be one that will sign in January or... Do you think we'll have to kind of muddle through until the end of the season?
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because obviously we could do with him now, and that seven hundred and fifty thousand is going to be repaid, however many times over, if he can lead help us to promotion this year, um, or even even just finishing the top six and have that you know to build on for next year. Um, I think he's. he's He's only twenty four, twenty five, so he's a, he's a good long term investment as well. It's not as if he's going to the end of his career. Um, it's not a great deal of money in today's football. Obviously, it's just that we are hindered by FFP, what we're allowed to spend. Um, I'd like, I'd love to see him come in because he does seem, you know, I've, I've seen a bit of him when I've been channel hopping. I'm not literally sat down, and, you know, studied him or anything like that. I'm not going to, you know. Say that because I haven't, uh, but I have seen bits of him um, when I've been there, sort of, don't I say, channel hopping, or when I've been watching it when I've been at work, and he does, yeah, he um, he comes across as uh, somebody who you yeah, you know, he'll go and win the ball. Um, he's he's good in the air. He's got decent feet, and he probably is due a move down south now. I'd say I think to progress his career. Yeah it's probably a good time for him. He's learned a lot. He's 24, 25, so he's had a good, solid time in Scotland to build up you know, his experience up there. And now can maybe come in sort of, you know, I know obviously he gets ranged himself up there, but maybe test himself down, down in England and hopefully get a you know, lead a championship side up to the Premier League, whoever, whichever one else he chooses, he chooses. Um, hopefully it'll be Stoke. Now I know, Harry Suter's parents have sort of you know, is is his dad has been made some really good comments about Stoke and what a great club it is and yeah how how good they've done for Harry that surely is going to stand in good stead for Stoke as well if it comes it's down his, to if it comes to a, a decision where I mean you know nothing the forest coming you know, and and you know put two hundred fifty thousand pound more than we do on the table to to his club and and offering five grand a week more. That's a different matter, and you know you, the player's got to look after himself. You know, as, as much as we say, um, you know, greedy and all money. You know, the, the, so, you know the, these aren't. You're not talking about whether somebody's on three hundred grand a week or four hundred grand a week. These, you know, these that kind of money is going to be like you know, change can change his life, can't you Kind of Yeah, you
2: know? um, it, it can, mate. But I think the one thing about Scottish football is they don't pay them hardly anything. They they are on. Really poor wages. Um, pretty. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's still it's still a lot of money. But I mean, we would have. I think even if Forest or whatever, because by five grand a week or something. I mean, if he's again, he's, I'm sure he's been brought up. Um, just as well as his, his brother, and you know, if he looks at the bigger picture, is he get, is he more likely to get promoted with Stoke, or is he to more likely to get promoted with a Forest, Middlesbrough, Derby? Well, Derby we can obviously count out because they're down. But um, I think if it's a footballing decision. Uh he will choose Stoke every single time. I don't see what football decision will make him go anywhere else in terms of the clubs that have been rumored. So
3: there's one potential spanner in the works. Go on. And the Rangers have been linked with him in the last few days.
2: Uh is that, is that really gonna test him though? Like you just said, you got Rangers, you got Celtic, and you got nobody else. I mean, that's not a challenge, mate. I mean, Christ me or you <laughs> could play for Rangers if we wanted to. You know, what I mean, it's it's that, it's that what I like to call the Mickey Mouse League. And I'm sorry if anyone follows Scottish football, but it's it's League One, League Two standard at best. It's really not a good division to be in. So if, if he's got any ambitions to be a top footballer, he's got to leave Scotland, whether it's for us or anyone else. He's got to leave Scotland.
3: His name's Mike, by the way. I'm Dan. That's Mike. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry, I do me. I'll say one of all
3: those Rangers and Celtic fans are coming for you now. <laughs>
2: well, I was going to say it. We do actually have uh, quite a few listeners according to the stats in Scotland. So yeah, <laughs> apologies, guys. If you are if Stoke's your second team and I've just slated your 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 really hometown team, then uh, it was basically Dan told me to say it. So uh, I I do apologise for on behalf of Dan. Um, so yeah, anyway. So John Suter, fingers crossed. Um, I'd be interested to see what happens. I think it'll it'll either happen in January or he'll end up signing a free in the end, something like that. But I'm pretty sure they'll want to try and get some money for him. So, uh, fingers crossed. Um, shame that Harry's kind of gone, obviously, for, for the rest of this season. I really hope it doesn't turn into another Tyrese Campbell situation. So, fingers crossed anyway. Um, and I think one thing as well, Dan, that you brought to my attention, uh, The well, it was actually earlier on today, actually. So, the whole kind of World Cup scenario. Now, I don't know if you watched the England-San Marino game. I know it's just a different scenario. But... Um, I mean, God, it a bit of a nothing match for starters, but that you are kind of seen the announcement and you kind of give me a bit of an overview of this because, honestly, I've, I actually kind of missed it. Uh, I've really not been very well, so I've not really followed it very much. But something about um, the kind of international now and the, the powers that be you want to disrupt the, the season and you know have, what is it now, Championship not playing and Premier League not playing, but League One and League Two are. Do you want to just give us a bit of an explanation, mate, for anyone who's missed it and obviously myself?
3: Yeah, so basically the World Cup next year is going to be taking place in November and December, um, which obviously falls smack bang in the middle of our season, <laughs> uh, which isn't a good thing. Uh, it's not really going to help us trying to fit 46 games in. So what they've um, what they said is the season is going to halt and the, the Premier League won't play throughout the World Cup. It will stop before the World Cup, and it won't recommence until after the final. Right. the e- The EFL leagues one and two will continue to play the right way through. The championship right. is going to stop during the group stages, but then uh, when we get to the knockouts, then it will start up again. Right. <laughs> so, so we're already going to be missing two weeks. I'd say what two weeks at least there, uh, you're probably going to be missed. you're going to be without, um, so like I say, probably going to be at least a fortnight there, Yeah, there's going to be no football, which I suppose it's, it's like a little bit longer than a normal international break, like you know, a, a double international break. Not the end of the world in that respect, but annoying, annoying, but there'll be lots of football on, you know, England will definitely be playing then because the group stage is so, it may just... You know, the World Cup's... You know, There'll be plenty of football on anyway, won't it? However,
0: yeah,
3: okay. the issues get a bit worse because when you get into the knockouts, like, say, the Championship, joins League One and Two and it's recommences and it's being played. But if you have three players away on international duty, your games will be postponed. And that does go for League One and League Two as well. So if you are a team in League One, you may, you may miss... Four or five games, because you've got three players from one nation, maybe who are maybe might not be playing, they might just be squad players. Right. and you're going then you're going to be all of a sudden, you could be four, or five, six games behind the rest of your league because you've missed three weeks' games, and your team hasn't played for nearly a month.
2: See that that's just it. it's again, risk of injuries, risk of lack of fluidity from not jallying. Um, having, I mean, Christ, if you let's say you miss four games, five games, or as you said, let's just call it worst case six. If you go and miss six games, how the hell are we going to play them? We already play, buddy, Saturday, Tuesday, or Saturday, Wednesday seems to be every week at the minute. What, what are we talking? A, a game on Saturday, game on Tuesday, game on Friday, or something stupid like that? It's, it's gonna get ridiculous, and again. What? It's going to be injuries from people being playing too much or or not playing enough. Oh, mate, it's a bloody disaster for a just money-grabbing tournament.
3: Well, I hope you haven't booked your summer holiday as well. As you're saying, how are you going to fit the games in? The season's going to start in July this year, if you've seen that as well. So the, the first right. game of the season is the Saturday, the 30th of July. So, yeah, so we play that. And start on the Saturday, the 30th of July. Play right up till Saturday the 12th of November, Um, and then, like I say, then the international call up period starts. Which the World Cup begins on the 14th of November. The Championship resumes on the 10th of December, following the culmination of the World Cup group stages. Uh, League One and League Two fixtures will continue as normal. Uh, So yeah, the just have a look here. The final day of the season uh, is the Saturday the 6th of May. So it is going to be quite. It's going to be quite like last season, isn't it? They brought it forward what one, maybe two weeks, but they're missing four weeks out. So they're going to be a lot. There's going to be more midweek fixtures next year than there is this. He's basically going to be playing three games a week every week.
2: Right. Okay. Well, I mean, see, as it's come back on the on the tenth of December, mate. I just like to point out that that is my birthday. Um, so you've got to treat me to uh, an away game if it's an away match. You're gonna have to take me for my birthday. Um, actually, speaking of that, I owe you money from Blackpool, so I'll make sure it. Uh, I'll make sure it finds its way to you, mate. Um, <clears throat> I'll blame the illness on that one. So, uh, okay, well, it's a bit of a cock up. Let's be honest, it's it's a bit of a mess, but we'll 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 deal with it. Um, you know, hopefully we've hopefully we're talking about Premier League football, but if not, then hopefully it's in Blackpool. <laughs>
3: I was gonna say, you know, um, even we are a positive podcast. We all this talk about EFL fixed us next year might not even be anything we need to worry about.
2: That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. After all, more we're worried about playing Arsenal or Man City. Oh Christ. No, the thought of that right mm. now, mate, with our squad is bloody harrowing. Talk about Norwich having a bad season, Jesus Christ. We'll be <laughs> we'll we'll be back to our six points in a season type job. We'd have some blinking big work, I and mean, that—that's a conversation for a different pod. Um, and then, just kind of finally, just to wrap up the kind of news from this week, we briefly mentioned him. Um, so Tom Edwards. Now, obviously, someone who everyone knows has been a local lad, and um, I don't know about you, really, Dan, but I really quite liked Tom Edwards um, previously. I thought, when especially. Now, for how we play, he was always very good for me at going forward. You know, he he could cross a ball. Um, He was always very, very attacking. And I think defence is typically, actually, where he let himself down. I seem to remember a lot of goals being conceded from, you know, back post crosses and stuff like that. And from what I can gather, he's had a really decent loan spell. Um, Again, his attacking football is what he's been doing. I mean, for how O'Neill plays, right now, for me, he probably will excel in that type of position. Um, and you know we've talked about uh, Dehaney on this pod a lot, and I, I've slagged him off before, uh, before he barely even kicked a game for us. And you know what? Uh, I'm always happy to you know hold my hands up. Dehaney's not really put a foot wrong uh, for me uh, on the games he's played. But I mean, are we talking about Tom Edwards coming back now and and fighting Tommy Smith and Co. for for that kind of right wing back spot? Do you think?
3: Yeah, I think uh, he's definitely going to be. But like coming from that position, but he's also been playing on the right side of a back three, um, at New York, and he's been playing de- like defensive midfielder as well. So he's literally oh, okay. he's sort of added a few strings to his bows, like two strings to his bow, I should say. while he's been there, and, I mean, that could help us out as well because you know we we are talking quite often, aren't we, about the need for somebody who can put a foot in a midfield and sort of yeah. protect the defence. So maybe he could be an option there. Um, obviously looking at who could come into the back three, he could be an option there. Because, um, obviously, Tommy Smith's doing a decent job out on the right wing-back. Um, so, he might. You know, to keep him in the side, it could be the Edwards. And, I mean, the, the beauty of that is that, obviously, we, we were enjoying Ben Wilmot getting forward and putting balls into the box from that same position, weren't we? The right okay. to the three. Obviously, if we are moving... Wilmot will not onto the left hand side. We do lose that, but by if we if Edwards comes and fills the position, then yeah, you know, we we're not going to lose that, are we? He can go and no. support Tommy Smith out on the wing. You know, inside running outside, over, overlapping, underlapping. Yeah, we can, promise him. Yeah, it, it, uh, I, I did enjoy Tom Edwards when he was here, especially I think he was a lot better going forward than he was defensive. I mm-hmm. think yep. clubs. Um, they did seem to work out, didn't they, that if they, st- if they floated that ball into the back post, he sort of got caught underneath it quite often. And, you know, all they had to do was put a big, big strike or, a, you know, a big tall winger or whatever was coming in behind him quite often. They had a simple header in. And, I mean, it happened week after week after week. And I think...
2: It got ridiculous, didn't it, at one point? Yeah,
3: it did. And I think it, it didn't help Tom because, at the end of the day, the, the manager should be seeing that as well and, and sorting that out and, you know, it should be you know making sure that the situation doesn't happen making sure the center backs are aware of it or you know taking him out the side and and, and training him on it because that you know, that if the manager's not seeing it then you, it's also it's not helping the player to me i think he was let down by he was i can't remember if it was Raul or Jones i think it was uh he was a, i think it probably was Raul wasn't it at the time mm-hmm. yeah um he was probably you know, let down by them to, let, let down by him to be honest um, but he's, he's still young. He's gone away there. He's really getting some great reviews over there. So. Uh, yeah, he's played, looking... he's
2: played like um, 22 games for him, hasn't he? Uh,
3: yeah, I played... think he's played yeah. like every, every week, isn't he, really? He's playing. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to him coming back. I think he's probably done him, done him good to get out there, experience a different you know, way of life, experience a club away from his club. Let's, forget, let's not forget. He's a local lad. This is his football club. This is the only one he's really known. Yeah. So to get out, complete change of culture. I think there's a lot less um, pressure in in, in the MLS. They're not really expect. You know, there's not the um, the pressure from the stands to to win games as much. I mean, they're just just looking to be entertained a lot. From what I can gather from a lot of people uh, over there, and. That's sort of going to help him develop his game. Let's just hope that he can cope with the the crowd when he gets back, and that the crowd, because there has been a lot of you know chit chat amongst Stoke fans about you know things he was doing off the field, whatever. Whether, you know, and I'm not. He's come out and he's sort of defended his side and said, you know, it's, if they're not true. If they're just sort Which of him to stuff. do Yeah, you
2: expect him uh, to do that, regardless of whether that's true or not.
3: Yeah, and that that's fair enough, and you know you got to take his I you got to take his word for it. Yeah, I've got no evidence to the contrary, so but let's just hope that you know that because we you know that those kind of rumors can stick around, can't they? And they, oh yeah, you do that. Let's just hope that he comes back and the slate's wiped clean and the fans get behind him. As I'm sure yeah. they will, because yeah, I'm sure they will, and I said them, they give you know, him a good chance.
2: He's, he's, yeah. a, you know, he's, he's a local boy, Eddie. I mean, every, every Stokey loves a local boy, um, you know. And yeah, he will pull that red and white shirt on. And he'll be a, a bit of an Andy Wilkinson, you know. He puts everything on the line. He might not be the, the most gifted of footballers in the world, but he'll bloody try hard. And I know, I mean, he signed a new four and a half year deal in, in October 2019, mate. He's got years left yet, and you know, he will, might be in the scenario where he's going to have a couple of years left at the end of this season, maybe three at a push. Um, and he's, you know, he's still he's playing for his Stoke City career here. He's got to come back and he's got to you know, battle his way into the team. Otherwise, he'll probably be gone into in the summer because he's, he's not going to hang around. Um, so I'm, I say I'm really interested to see. Um, Tommy Smith is obviously going to have some good competition. I don't think De Haney is real quality competition in terms of the same style. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see, mate. We'll, we'll certainly see what happens. Um, but it's definitely, definitely positive.
3: Um, yeah, we've sort of switched around now, haven't we? Because you, at the, at the beginning, when Dehaney first signed, I mean, you sort of wrote him off a bit and you didn't do it. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll give him a chance. But now you're saying you don't think he's put a foot wrong. Yeah. I think, I think defensively, he's been quite solid, but he's shown very much limitations. And going forward, I don't think he's got the... I don't think he's he, he quite got the same flair going forward as Tommy Smith or even a Tom Edwards. I don't think he's got the quite imaginative, like with his crosses or where he's going to put the ball. Yeah, Whether that's a confidence thing and whether he's got that capability, because obviously he's a very good footballer. He, you know, he came through Man City's academy right the way through. You don't do that if you're not a good footballer, do you? Um, no. So whether he's just lacking confidence, in the men's game, and his abilities in it, and he just needs to—he just needs to get himself, um, you know, a one, you know, put a good few balls and get a couple of assists, and then he'll be away. I don't know, but I don't think, unfortunately, that we're probably going to see that for Stoke.
2: No, and I don't think we're going to extend his contract past January. If Edwards comes back and he shows the ability, I think he'll be—I think he'll be gone. Maybe we'll give him another year. Just in case if we haven't seen enough of Edwards by then. But yeah, I mean, like I say I say he hasn't put a foot wrong, and that's because I never expected him to be attacking anyway. I mean, I did a lot of research on Dehaney before I even started commenting on him and I looked at his previous games and spoke to people who, you know, watched him play and that to prefer, mate, that's what they were saying. Defensively, it was okay, but he didn't really do anything else. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. So um <clears throat> yeah, we'll see we'll see how things pan out, mate. But um, I found an interesting stat, very off topic. Um, but yeah, just in terms of over the kind of the top four leagues, including the, uh, sorry, in addition to the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. Uh, did you know that no teams kept more clean sheets than Stoke? I didn't realise we were that good at clean sheets this season, mate. Um, we've got, I mean, obviously, this is over the course of you know the last kind of 12 months or so. I think it's 32 clean sheets. Uh, that we that we've kept, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? When you think about the yeah, we, the goalkeeping um, kind of changes we keep having.
3: Yeah, because we are. I think I we joined top with Manchester City. I did see this. Um, this oh, start, right. Yeah, I think we are we joined joined top aren't we, with Manchester City, um, and it was like yeah. So it was after obviously we had the two shot the two one 1-0 away wins, didn't we? Uh, before yep. the international break, just sort of shot us up a few places. But yeah, I think. It's been a problem with Stoke for years, and it's all or nothing. We either don't concede or we concede three or four. <laughs> and it's like as soon as one goes in, the floodgates open, and I think that's sort of been a problem, hasn't it? Right from right from the days of um, Kurt Zuma and an impending relegation. I think that we have it sort of sorted out. Well, oh, yeah. Kurt
2: Zuma. I like Kurt Zuma, mate. I thought he was actually. I think he got a really hard rap. Zuma did uh, when he was at Stoke. The amount of people who said he was he was rubbish. I thought he was actually pretty decent. Well, nothing. Well, let's say he, he was steady. Um, God, yeah, Kurt Zuma. I don't think he was bad, mate. I know we're not talking about Kurt Zuma, but as, soon as you bring him up. Um, didn't do too bad uh, back at Chelsea, though, did he? From what I from what I recall, he was playing a lot. I know yeah. during the furl that they they kind of transfer furlough, but he was uh, he was playing every week.
3: He got a hard rap. Yeah, the season
2: at Everton. He's at West Ham now. Yeah, can't, he can't be that just...
3: bad, can he? Uh, he did that stupid little dance of Chupo Motivo, <laughs> So you can never forgive him for that.
2: Oh Christ! A uh, Chupa <laughs> What the world's best agent? Bloody hell! <laughs> How that guy has played for the clubs he's played for. Oh jeez! He's got to have some dodgy photos of these managers or something
1: coming on.
3: You will look back. Look back at it. you look at his career when he finishes and you'll look at all the clubs he's played for. And Stoke will stand out like a so thumb. Oh yeah, yeah, I just had a year off. There. Yeah, yeah, but
2: I still remember that goalie uh we've kind of gone off on a tangent here, but I can't remember who it was for now. I don't think it was for Stoke, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. It was I suppose it was at PSG, where the ball's been going over the line um and he's tried to just tap it in the net and accidentally kept it out.
3: On the yeah. line. I swear it was PSG yeah. won it. Yeah, it was PSG. That would have won them the league as well. <laughs> <laughs> they would, they would, they would have won the league. And the ball was going in, and he's he's attempted to to like, put it over the line, and he's ended up stopped like standing, slipping, standing on it, and then he didn't th- hit the post and come back out. Like he hit it sideways instead of forwards. It hit the like, Oh no! Oh, gosh, only, he could have done that. And then I thought, it was I a shame. I mean, they were about 20 points clear. I think they won the league the following week, but they had to they had to wait another week for it. Uh,
2: well, never mind, mate. Um, we don't have to worry about him anymore. But yeah, what an agent. OK, cool. Well, I think that pretty much rounds up the news um, from last week, unless there's anything you wanted to bring up, Dan? Or... Uh,
3: no, I think we've waffled on long enough. I, mean, I think we've covered most oh, yeah. things that we've... Uh, most news that's been out.
2: We have, right. Let's go from that, and we're going to go even more positive now. So, um, as you know, we will have to go head-to-head on the stats. So, uh, as everyone knows, we sit in fifth with 28 points. We've got a plus-three goal difference. Uh, uh, Peterborough sit 21st with a minus-15 goal difference, which is actually the worst in the league, and it's one of the worst in all of top fly English football. So uh, now, if you think back previous weeks, you know where I'm going to go with these stats, but just keep in mind that the, the name Cardiff, by the way. So uh, Peterborough failed to score in eight of their 17 games. They've not won a game against a team in the top half other than QPR. Uh, they've only collected three away points um, from home this season. And that was against a very poor whole team. Who haven't uh, And they haven't obviously won in their last three matches as well. Now, in our last 12 fixtures versus Peterborough, how many games do you think we've lost, Dan?
3: I know for a fact we have never lost to Peterborough.
2: We have not lost to Peterborough. Uh, We've won seven, drawn five, lost none. Um, Now, we all know what this means and what's going to happen. This SCFC charity will no doubt turn up because, well, it it just always does. Um, And I'll say the same thing that I said, though, Dan, when we went up against Cardiff. If we can't beat the likes of Peterborough, then you've got to seriously question how long we're going to stay in that top six for. Now, I've also, and I'll also caveat that comment, by the way, with the fact that I've always said in previous weeks that you win some, you lose some, and that's football. But when you are against a team like this with that bad of a record, um, who have got injuries all over, um, we've got to be winning these games You know, we've had a month or two of difficult games. We've got them out of the way. We've actually won back-to-back away games. I mean, confidence has got to be high. Uh, We've really got to be starting to ramp up this pressure now going into the Christmas period. So, surely, Dan, we can't really be losing, can we?
3: Well, I don't know if if this will class as new manager bounce, but did you see Darren Ferguson sign a new long-term contract this this week, sorry?
2: Yeah, I, I did see it. And funny enough, their, their own fans were commenting on the uh, on the string, saying that, you know, why have we given him a new contract? He's only won four games in however many matches. And I don't know, mate. I mean, Peterborough, I think as i will say we'll move on to some audio in a minute, and that'll give everyone a bit of an idea of what things are like in their camp. But um, what can they really expect from the division? It was always going to be hard.
3: Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a bit strange, isn't it? Because obviously they've had you know they've had a lot of defeats. Obviously, like you just said, the goal difference is, is terrible. And I mean, they started the season well. Don't they? they had a win and a draw the first two games? Since then, it's completely fallen away. they've, you know, they've only beaten Birmingham, Hull, QPR. You know, since since the start, really, that first game of the season when they beat Derby. But if you look at it this way, they played West Brom. And they only lost one nil. Hmm. They played Fulham in their last game and only lost one nil. They played Bournemouth and drew nil nil. They don't these they obviously can put a performance together, can't they? Or at least they can be, it looks like they can be solid when they because obviously I I imagine they've they've approached those games by looks of it by defensive because they haven't scored any of them. And they've only conceded two goals in the three games, so that would say to me that they know that those players are probably technically superior to them, and they've gone for the that stick tight, compact, defensive, and make them break us down. So that looks like they can put that performance together in those scenarios, which means we have got to then hope we have got to then got to break them down on Saturday. And it's probably gonna we're gonna to come together with a very compact defensive unit and it's it's probably going to be down to people like mario vrancic coming in and sort of you know maybe when you know getting the balls out wide getting josh timing and, and uh, tommy smith involved getting crosses in and if you know them crosses if they're good quality crosses they'll find they'll find strikers you know in the box if In the worst-case scenario, we'll probably end up with more set pieces to work from as well, which, again, brings Vrancic into the game as well. So I think, for us, they're going to be the three key players for us. I think there's going to be chances for the strikers if those three are on their game.
2: Yeah, spot on, Matt. Again, I don't think it's going to be a... I don't even think it's going to be a Cardiff. I don't think we're going to score three goals. Not for a second. Uh, As you said, I mean, they, they clearly... Turn up relatively well against the top teams So um, yeah, I still think We'll win, I don't think, we, we certainly can't afford To lose, we, we really can't We're better than that um, But yeah I, I, what, I, With my comments, I'm not saying we should walk it 5-0 I don't think that's, that's not what I'm saying I'm just thinking it's it's still got to be the games you win. These these have, um, and I know that you know we've uh, we've we've really had some audio through as well from Jacob from the uh, Yellow Block uh, Peace of podcast, and um, you know really appreciate Jacob getting in touch and obviously giving their thoughts on the weekend. So let's have a, a quick listen uh, to see how they see this weekend's t- uh, fixture going.
4: Hello, my name is Jacob Trier and I'm part of the Yellow Block podcast. We've had a tough start to the life in the Championship, um, just being just above the relegation zone. Uh, that's partly due to our injuries in The likes of Clark Harris Siriki Dembele Jack Taylor And Mark Beavis However we have started to show some signs That we can complete in this league And that's mainly due to our home form As our away form is absolutely dreadful With only one win against Hull With our starter play We have a mixture between four four two or three four three, and we like to play playing from the back using our players from the wing backs And driving the, the ball forward And hitting on and set pieces it's come with a bit of a mixed result, um, and Fergie has been known for changing up midway through game. The player I say it is to watch is Tsuriki Dembele. He has proven that he's a very tricky player, a great addition to the championship squad. Um, he's skillful, he goes through players, and he wouldn't be surprised if he gives a goal. We also have Clark Harris, who has started most of the season injured and slightly unfit. However, we've just seen he's shown a bit of form now. So I wouldn't be surprised he's getting back to his beginner self because he was a a key part for our promotion of last season. We also got Harrison Burrows, a 19-year-old from the academy. He's starting to show he's a very good championship player. He's already got three goals this season and has a handful of assists already. So I wouldn't be surprised he makes a good impact as well. How well do I think Stoke are doing? Well, it's no surprise to me that they're in the playoffs and it wouldn't surprise me they're going to be there thereabouts come the end of the season. And with the Peterborough point of view, um, it's what we want to do. It's it's teams like Stoke that we want to compete at. So, and that's the ambition to be able to be very competing and competing well against teams like Stoke. How do I think the game will finish on Saturday? Um, that's a tough one. I think we're going to go in relatively strong after a quite a good performance against Fulham. Um, but I think you're a very strong team. But I reckon two two draw.
2: Brother Jacob, thank you very much indeed for for the overview, mate. Much appreciated. Very But one thing I like, Dan, about when you know the the kind of different podcasts get in touch and stuff like that, everyone's always very, very respectful. Probably more respectful than I've been actually here to Peterborough, which I apologise for. But um, I'm quite passionate. Sometimes I I let my uh, my mouth rule my head at times. But um, (laughs) yeah, again, I think everyone's really respectful. And you know, it sounds. I think I have kind of touched on it actually from my research. But it sounds like they've had some quite serious injuries and a lot of injuries to contend with, which we all know from personal experience in terms of Stoke that it obviously obviously affects things. I mean, Dembele looks like he's the the kind of main threat. So clearly we need to keep obviously him quiet at at the weekend. And again, you know, they've got some quite dangerous players in there that I think can definitely cause us problems. So I think the opening kind of probably half an hour, is probably going to be one of them where it's a bit of a battle um, to find our feet. And I think we just need to, to kind of go about it um, is as we do, let's play our game. As you said, let's bring Mario in. Uh, let's really kind of focus on our game. And I know he's kind of gone for a 2-2 draw. I think I think that would be a a poor result from a Stoke perspective. But I no doubt think that Peterborough would definitely take a point uh, if we offered it to them today. Um, so, uh, yeah, it should, should be an interesting game. But again, Jacob, thank you very much. Um, and obviously, best of luck for the rest of the season, other than, of course, Saturday. <laughs> um and uh, speaking of uh, kind of um predictions uh mystic graham mcgarry has been in touch as always uh, he's given us his, his thoughts on this weekend um and also his prediction he last week went for a one nil um kind of uh, home win sorry a one nil stoke win sorry not home win but st- uh one nil uh, stoke win and uh, yeah he got the result right but the scoreline wrong so let's see if he can get it a little bit closer this week
3: Hello there, it's Graeme McGarry back again after the international break. hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football and you're getting ready now for the Potters' prediction when they take on Peterborough. Stoke, of course, have had that terrible news of losing Harry Suter for the rest of the season with a bad injury. But fingers crossed the rest of his teammates will do the business this weekend when Peterborough come to the Bet365. They're not in great shape themselves, Peterborough. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters.
2: Graham, yeah, thank you very much as always, May. Um I think you kind of share our our thoughts and a nice 2-0 prediction um as always very much welcome. And I'll again I'll take that kind of right now, um to be honest, Graham. So yeah, much, much appreciated. Um Dan, so I think you you mentioned to me just off air then that you wanted to have a quick chat about Dembele, um, I think from from Pittsburgh.
3: Yeah, because I obviously he's a very talented player obviously anyone who could see that from the you know, efl highlights and that can see you know just how good a player he is and how much he sort of drives that piece of a team forward um but like no wonder they do like him because they've, they've they've won four games this season and he's scored the winning goal to give them two-one wins in three of those four games
2: right
0: so, okay
3: yeah um there was the game against derby on the first game first day of the season, Uh, he got a late winner there, and then there was the two back-to-back wins against Hull and QPR uh, the other week, which he he scored uh, the, like I say, late winners in both of them as well. So he's definitely somebody who sort of steps up to the plate when they need him to, and somebody we need to be keeping quiet.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, that's kind of... The bits that I'd seen, I didn't realise it was actually that um, that clinical in, in their winning game. So, yeah, spot on. So, clearly when he plays well, they play well. Um, so, that's, as you rightly say, mate, that's something we've got to look out for. Um, so, interesting stats.
3: Yeah, I think they've missed Clark Harris as well, haven't they? Because I know he got suspended, yes. for um, he, for was it tweets that he sent out when he was, like, a teenager or something? Just ridiculous like Ah, um, Yeah.
2: They've been yeah, really so, unlucky, haven't they? Really unlucky.
3: Yeah, and I mean... He's a funny one as well, because his career, if you look at his, his sort of career up to last season, or maybe maybe I'd be a bit harsh, the last, last two or three seasons, he sort of, you know, he was a one in six, one in seven, man. He you know, wasn't goals, you know, like six in 30 games, one goal in eight games, two goals in 10 games. You know, that, those, those were his kind of season stats. And then I know he was, was it Bristol Rovers he was at? And he started banging them in for that. And then Peter brought him in, and obviously he carried on that form. Um, I think he was like a one in one in three, one in four in his first season, and then last season he was on fire until he scored thirty one in forty five games. So he was obviously he sort of you know hit that purple patch last season, and it was interesting for him now at championship level because we were linked to him in the summer, weren't we? Whether we were going to make a move, and I was a bit yes. scared. I'm always a bit skeptical when you see like you know one a season that stands out in in amongst other seasons where they haven't really hit the hit the ground hit the running ground running at any point, and you think you know has he just hit one patch which has just gone on and on and on and on, and, on, and then that's going to be it, or is he you know is he just took time to mature, become this you know this goal scorer and then you know, now he's hit that, he's just gonna go from strength to strength. It's difficult well, to tell, but when, when we were talking fees of six and seven million in the summer, I was getting a bit itchy, like, oh I don't think we should be spending that much on him.
2: <laughs> no, no, well, I can say, mate, I think it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how it all pans out. And um I definitely I think we'll win. I mean I'll I'll give you my prediction now while we're on the subject, but um I, I think I think we'll win. I'm gonna go with Graham. Uh, this week, don't give me any lip about going with Graves, uh, but I'm going to go for 2-0, uh, I think yeah, I think we'll be okay I, th- I definitely think Wilmot will come back in for, for Suter. Um not really expecting too many other changes than that, really uh, I don't know about you, Dan, but I think I think that's probably about it for the actual kind of lineup. up I, I don't think he's going to make any big wholesale changes, is he, unless, uh, unless I've missed, I mean, I don't know about the international guys and how, how they've all kind of come back uh, from that, but It shouldn't be too much different from Luton, should it?
3: No, I think we've been quite lucky that this game, and with all due respect to Peterborough, if the manager had to choose a game to bring all his internationals back and also rearrange his defence after losing Harry Suter, this probably would have been one of the games he would have chosen. If you, you know, if you look to the fixture list and said you can choose any team home and away, where, what do you want to do? Yeah. You know, it, it probably would have, this would have been on his short list at least. I'd nice. uh, say all due respect to Peterborough. But um, well, obviously now, I think, like you said, we're not going to change the back line any more than we have to. Because, you know, we've just had two nil away wins. Let's not forget that. Um, and obviously Suter is going to have to come out. Wilmot coming back in is an easy replacement. He's somebody who's been in the side more than anybody else who's not currently who, who didn't play that last match. So to bring him in. Ostergaard stays there. Danny Bart takes over in the middle. Like I say, new little style. Don't play about with it at the back as much because um Ostergaard and especially Bart aren't quite as comfortable with the ball at the feet. As, no. as as we have been having Suitor was uh Wilmot's playing out to position out on the left rather than the right. So let's not just let's not on it. If anything, use basics as the outball because he has got decent distribution on him. Uh, he just needs to be a bit more confident. So hopefully he's had another good game for England under 21s this week. So hopefully, you know, his confidence is going to be high again coming back. Um and maybe use him to just find the wing backs. And like I say, it's all down to me. To me, we've got to stretch the play, get the ball out wide. Hopefully, you know, stop them then being compact. Um, and obviously, yeah, you key men. Then you're looking at like I say, time and Smith, Brancic probably Sawyer's as well. I forgot about him earlier on. Yeah. He's probably going to be key as well. Uh, just those little roll, way you know, let the ball roll through. Those little dinks, little just passes around the corner—they're going to be crucial in a game like this. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely, mate. I think, uh, I think Soyuz has kind of been quite uh, impressive uh, in the the recent weeks. So uh, yeah, you spot on, mate. He he could be quite important. Um, and then we talked about, um, obviously, some some polls and uh, I've actually done two polls this week. You won't know this yourself, Dan, to be honest. But I um, I put a, a Twitter poll up and a Facebook poll in terms of, you know, who we thought was going to win the match. I mean, it's hardly surprising the results to be, to be frank. But um, so the, the Twitter population, um 81 percent think Stoke will win, 10 uh, percent have gone for a draw and 10 uh, percent, also known as the Peterborough fans, have gone for uh, an away win uh, for Peterborough as well so uh, quite comprehensive but not quite as resounding as the facebook group which have gone for a 97% win ratio for stoke um, and obviously only, nice. only 3% I like going it. for yeah i, I thought that man. i thought that was um, <laughs> i thought that was that was pretty uh, pretty impressive i think 1% have gone for a draw but um yeah so like I, so, some of the comments actually i'll, I'll give a few shout outs to some uh, we've had some score scoreline predictions um, and I'm sorry, guys, in advance, I'm going to butcher some of these names and I apologise. Um, so uh, Michael Monday has gone for a 5-1 Stoke win. I really like that prediction, Michael. If we can get that, that'd be amazing. Um, Mike Lloyd uh, has gone for a 1-0 Stoke win. I'm definitely going to butcher this one, so apologies. Is it Caelan? Uh, I think it might be pronounced. So kaelin has gone for a 3-0 Uh, when I'm so sorry for that name, pronunciation. Uh, Tony Parker's gone for a 3-1 win um, and then Jeff Sidley has gone for a very reserved uh, 1-1 draw. So, um, overall relatively positive. I'm not quite sure I'm on the Michael Monday route of 5-1 to Stoke. Um, I can't remember the last time we gave someone a pasting, to be honest, and I don't quite think this is the week to do that, but yeah, some interesting scorelines there, Dan, anyway.
3: Yes. um, I'm I'm not quite thinking five one or no, four nil three nil um, myself. I think if we get an early goal, then that might well be on the cards, um, because obviously they, they they'll have to come out a bit more uh, once they've conceded. It's it's just getting breaking the deadlock. It's something I think we've got to do early doors um, if we're going to run away with the game. Uh, yeah, but yes, I think uh, for me, I, I'm. Now you see, I would I'd have gone two nil, no, but I can't I can't just copy Gray and that just be too easy. I'm gonna go with a tight one nil win. I think we'll sneak a victory somewhere and that'll be and we'll uh, sneak a goal in and um, yeah we might have to be patient, we might have to wait, but as long as the crowd stick with them, which uh, you know I, I I hope they do do. But you see, it's easy to you know to turn up to Games against teams towards the bottom of the league and expect us just to roll, you know, expect them to just roll over and let us win and and us just you know take control from the first minute. But I don't think, I don't think this might turn out like that. I think we might just need a bit of patience from the stands as well. And, you know, stick behind the lads. Let's keep going with them.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I think it's probably not going to be a big crowd um, this weekend, but hopefully we can make some noise and. And obviously get the, get the lads going. Um, and then just finally, before we kind of tie up the the pod then, so uh, I've had a quick glance at the next couple of games. So obviously after Peterborough, we're away to Bristol City. Um, I think Bristol's on TV, if I remember rightly, next Wednesday. Yes. Um, and then we've uh, got a home tie against Blackburn. So Dan, with, with the next three games in, involved, so Bristol, Blackburn, Peterborough, um, for me... I'm saying seven points from them three games. I think the tricky one is going to be Bristol City. They're a weird team, Bristol. You don't know what team's going to turn up. Uh, they always, to be fair, they always remind me of crew. You don't know what type of team you're going to get. Um, so, seven points from the three games. Do you see us getting any more than that? Do you think I'm being overly optimistic? Or well,
3: I was a bit shocked earlier on when I saw we hadn't won a home game since the 1st of October. I thought, that can't be right. Surely not. And then I looked, and yeah, it, it, it's right. But then, to be fair, we have only played Bournemouth, Brentford and Cardiff in that time. So we are due some home wins. And I think we're going to get back-to-back home wins, which I imagine is what you're thinking there as well, Blackburn and uh, Peterborough. I think we'll yeah. get back, back-to-back back wins there. And yeah, Brist- the thing with Bristol City, like you say, that that game... There's, there's three possible outcomes, and it, you wouldn't—I couldn't tell you confidently whatever's going to happen there because we should—we should be more than enough, you know, more than capable of beating them, uh, putting our team up against theirs, especially our form against theirs. But the problem for me is, I, I don't think we ever get a good result there, do we? No,
2: and we <laughs> never get a good result in front of the cameras, mate. There's always some <laughs> no. drama or or whatever, but. <clears throat> I'd love to actually see there must be a list somewhere of televised Stoke games and the results. <laughs> got
3: somewhere. Maybe that's something I can try and hunt out for you for next week.
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting, mate. But I think either way, uh it ain't gonna go down as, as we like, I don't think. But never mind. Anyway, uh still we're going it We're in it you yeah, know, we're in fifth position, we're going into this game of the weekend on a, a really good footing. Um, And uh, yeah, just a very quick one for anyone who's kind of new to the pod. Uh, Make sure you give us a follow on, on Twitter as well. So it's at every step along, or if you just search for every step along the way, you'll find it on there. Um, as always, you know, you can find the pod on, uh, you know, kind of Apple Podcasts, uh, you've got it on Spotify, um, Anchor app as well, and it's on most kind of other third-party uh, providers as well. So whichever way you're listening to it this week, maybe one of them is your preferred route. Um, so every pod goes live at 7am uh, on a Friday, so make sure you tune in each week. We'll have a few specials. We've got, as I said at the very start of the pod, we had Dan doing a special with Ben, uh, kind of mid-season review, Want it, Dan? Um I know you covered a, a number of things off on that one so if you haven't already listened to that uh go back and have a listen to that one um i know kind of was it i think 19 or 20 years ago um just yesterday i think god john Thorderson, uh first started to, to obviously was it 22 bloody hell um yeah, so
3: 1999.
2: Uh, 99 jesus so yeah again an Icelandic era uh podcast a few weeks ago so yeah there's a lot on the uh, on the channel now guys so just make sure you check it out it'll be a good bit of fun um but that kind of leaves me just to say uh Dan thank you very much for joining me mate. always uh, always appreciated um let's hope for a, a you know, positive result of the weekend um and I'll catch you and everyone else next week
1: yep yeah, we're with you every step along the way people
2: oh yes see you soon